Sambo, grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island, another true crime podcast, bringing you true crime from around the world. Hi Islanders, I hope you're all well. Okay, so... This week's episode that was supposed to be run, well, run last week, has had to be delayed as I'm still waiting for one of the trials to start. So we have this case, which happened a couple of years back, and it's such a heartbreaking but horrific case. The main reference tonight is from the court summary, but I also got a bit from the Daily Telegraph. Okay, so we go back to the 20th of July 2019 to suburban St. Clair. Now, that's not quite an hour's drive west of Sydney. It's here that one of the most gruesome killings would play out, taking the life of mother, 57-year-old Rita Camilleri, who had tried in vain to do the best for her daughter, Jessica. Now, Jessica was born on the 12th of October 1993. She's the youngest of two daughters to her parents. It became apparent to Jessica's mum and others when she was quite young that there was something wrong in her development. As a child, Jessica attended school, including placement in a learning support unit. Jessica had been diagnosed with attention deficit order disorder and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which is ADD and ADHD. Now, that was in primary school. And it was a special learning class that she was placed in. She found it difficult to make friends or get along with other children, and she got into fights. She was bullied at school and frequently responded with outbursts of violence, principally directed to girls and often involving hair pulling. Jessica was suspended in year nine for biting the arm of a boy and attacking his girlfriend and expelled in year 10 after assaulting a female student. After being expelled from school in 2010, Jessica participated in a vocational program called Novo, or Novo Transition to Work, but she was involved in violent altercations with others there and police were called and she had to leave the program. Now, Jessica was also difficult at home. After a fight with her father, she lived with a grandmother for a time, but then after assaulting her aunt, she went back to live with her mother. Jessica had seen numerous doctors, psychiatrists and other health professionals over the years. Now, diagnoses varied with autism, obsessive compulsive disorder, depression and schizophrenia among the many conditions she suffered with. Now, Rita provided every support to Jessica throughout her life and did everything that she could to ensure that while she was occasionally hospitalised, Jessica was never institutionalised or placed in any other publicly provided facility for persons with learning or developmental disorders or psychiatric illnesses. The pressure upon Rita in the care of her daughter was intense and her devotion to her caused difficulties in the family. Her marriage broke up and her husband left the family home, leaving Rita and Jessica living there together. Now, Jessica's daily activities included watching TV and movies. She frequently watched horror movies and two particular films, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Jeepers Creepers, which she would watch on DVD over and over again. 
Now, Jessica's sister sometimes hid these DVDs because she regarded them as unsuitable viewing. But Jessica typically became enraged at the loss of these DVDs and Rita would give them back just to keep the peace. Now, Jessica developed an obsession with contacting strangers by telephone, sometimes on hundreds of occasions, if they were men and also if she liked their voices. In June of 2018, Jessica's behaviour was increasingly challenging and a psychiatrist, Dr Chowdhury, diagnosed her with an intellectual disability, poor anger control, impulsive behaviour, OCD and high anxiety levels. Hypnotherapy four times weekly commenced about this time. Now, reviewing his medical notes, a Professor Greenberg observed that it was apparent that Jessica had high anxiety levels and lack of insight, causing frustration to build up and her ability to tolerate stress decrease, causing her to lash out without thinking about the consequences. In November of 2018, Jessica was admitted to hospital. She was prescribed with antidepressant and also Valium. On discharge, she insisted that she wouldn't take any further medication and she ceased taking the antidepressant in December of 2018. Although Dr. Chowdhury thought that she was doing very well in January in 2019, by April, Jessica refused to take prescribed medicine at all. She began seeing a naturopath instead. Yeah... By early 2019, Jessica was prescribed a number of antipsychotic medications, antidepressants and mood stabilizers. But Rita frequently expressed concerns that these medicines weren't working. Now, from the court summary, as you just heard, Jessica wasn't taking any medication, but her mum, Rita, is saying it wasn't working. So either Rita didn't know she'd stopped taking it or was covering her for not taking it. Or it just was the wrong medication. Who knows? Whatever the truth is on that point, Rita would be dead just a few months later. So we have this 25-year-old Jessica. From early on, it was noticed she was an issue with her development and her loving mother worked tirelessly to keep her from being institutionalised. Now, Jessica was kicked out of school and other work programs because of this behaviour and even moved out of the family home only to be kicked out again because of her behaviour and having to return home. Now, let's go through what went on in the lead up to the events of the 20th of July, 2019. Now, on the 19th of July, Rita Camilleri took Jessica to St Mary's Police Station to have police speak to her about a series of telephone calls she made early that morning to a man who was unknown to her. As Jessica frequently did, she had dialed a random telephone number and spoken to the person who answered the telephone. She then called in excess of 30 times, commencing at a very early hour, waking the man and ending with a call or calls in which she told the person she hoped he got cancer and died. Rita wanted the police officer to speak to Jessica about her conduct and caution her. Our senior constable Ailey Ross spoke to Jessica, explaining to her that she just couldn't telephone people in the way she had been that morning and warning her about her future conduct. Now, adding to the stress of that day, the following day, the 20th of July 2019, a number of incidents occurred which led to an increase in tension between Jessica and her mum. Now, firstly, a young relative was at the house with Rita. 
Now, Jessica resented and was jealous of this kid and was unhappy with his presence in her home that day. It seems she was resentful to the attention that Rita gave to the kid and the time that her mum was spending with him. He was just four years old, this kid. When a neighbour, Miss Heard, requested immediate help in getting to a doctor's surgery after experiencing some chest pain that morning, Jessica's level of resentment escalated. She blamed the young kid for causing delay as Rita organised herself to assist a neighbour. Now, Miss Heard, the neighbour, saw that Jessica was quite hysterical, calling the kid repeatedly a little bastard. The neighbour told Jessica just to calm down. Now, in the car during the drive to the doctor's surgery, Jessica berated her mum for having the kid stay over, telling her, you have that little bastard too often. Now, when waiting for Miss Heard at the surgery, there was some incident in which a man in the street looked at Jessica, something for which she blamed her mother. Now, when Miss Heard emerged from the doctor's surgery, she saw that Jessica was yelling and throwing her arms about. The little kid was crying and Rita was trying to calm Jessica down. Now, Jessica was angry about the incident with the man swearing and screaming at her mother, whom she accused of always embarrassing her. Now, later that evening, after Rita, Jessica and the kid had returned to the family home, Jessica's condition was such that Rita called a home doctor service. The symptoms reported on asking for a doctor to attend the family home included stomach or gastrointestinal problems. When Dr. Eliza Azam arrived at the house at about 9.25pm, she could hear Jessica on the telephone speaking to a fast food supplier. The front door was ajar and Rita soon came to the door. Now Rita asked Jessica to hang up the phone so that the doctor could examine her, but she ignored her mother and continued with her conversation, apparently negotiating the delivery of food and trying to persuade the attendant to say, I love you to her. Dr. Azam waited by the front door for 10 minutes or so, during which time Jessica just continued her phone conversation, ignoring all efforts by her mum to have a stop. The doctor saw nothing about Jessica that was consistent with stomach upset, I suppose because she was ordering really disgusting cheap pizzas, and having ignored requests to her to end this telephone conversation, she left. After Dr. Azam left and after 10pm when Jessica's older sister spoke with her mother on the phone, Rita became so concerned at Jessica's behaviour that she decided an ambulance should be called and for her to be taken to hospital. So it looks like things are starting to get a bit crazy in this household. Jessica didn't want to be taken to hospital. She feared any sort of institutionalisation and wanted to remain at home. Earlier, she told a family friend, now this is earlier as in days earlier, that she would rather kill someone than return to a psychiatric hospital. Now, when Rita tried to telephone for the ambulance, Jessica sought to physically restrain her from doing so, and there was a struggle over Rita's mobile phone, a struggle in which Jessica got hold of it. Now, this is going to get gory, so just letting you know, you may want to skip ahead on this one, I will go into the full detail of this as per these court records. Now, it's about probably four and a half minutes that this is going to be described. So, honestly, if you feel a bit squeamy, just please skip four and a half minutes. Okay, that should be enough time for people to skip. Rita made her way to Jessica's bedroom, intending to use her mobile phone to make the call. 
Now, Jessica followed her and again sought to prevent her from doing so. There was a struggle in the bedroom. Now, again, Jessica, who was much larger than her mother, prevailed. She knocked her mum to the floor and then dragged her by her hair into the kitchen where she took up one and then more kitchen knives. Restraining her mother, very likely with the weight of her body, she directed an indeterminate but very high number of knife blows at her mum's head and neck, ultimately decapitating Rita at the C2 vertebra at the top of the neck. Now, this neck wound was described by Dr. Picorni as ragged and somewhat pulped, with innumerable overlapping stab wounds stab wounds in the upper neck being at least 100 stab wounds and incised wounds present over the entire surface of the head. Now, this would include injuries to the whole of the surface of the face and head. There was a stab wound into the right eye that entered the lining of the brain, and the tip of Rita's nose had been cut off, probably with an upward stabbing blow that ultimately pierced the bony plate upon which the brain sits. The tongue had been cut off with multiple overlapping stab wounds, the wounds having a generally upwards trajectory. There were some superficial wounds to the abdomen. Now, it's clear that Rita tried to defend herself against the attack by her daughter. Dr. Picorni noted 33 stab and incised wounds to the right hand and at least 62 such injuries to the left hand, many of which overlapped. The distribution of the wounds marked them out as defensive injuries. There were some bruises and wounds to the left arm and some abrasions to the right arm that were suggestive of the use of a serrated knife. Now, an air ambulance within a blood vessel in the neck showed that Rita had been in an upright or semi-upright position and breathing at some point during the attack, at which time she suffered a wound to a significant vein in the neck. And she probably died soon after that wound was inflicted. Now, this is disturbing. Both of Rita's eyeballs had been removed from the eye sockets and there were associated stab wounds extending into the brain. Four knives broke during the attack upon her, with seven knives in total used by Jessica. At some point during the knife attack, possibly when Rita was still alive, that child that was staying at the house awoke and seeing what happened to Rita, and despite his very young age of four years, rushed to help his relative. Now, this four-year-old kid, with extraordinary bravery and one so young and so small, jumped onto Jessica and tried to stop her from further hurting her mum. He also took up this cardboard lid of a toy box and struck out at Jessica in an attempt to defend his relative. Now, Jessica pushes this kid off. He got wounded in the face while she did this. It was a deep wound running down his neck parallel with an ear and he had lacerations to his head and hands. Now, the cheek wound required surgery and the head wound had to be sutured. Piles of spew later located in the lounge room suggested that he sort of withdrew there, clearly physically sickened by the trauma of what he'd just seen. After Rita had been decapitated, Jessica picked up her mum's head and went out into the street. Now, this head was later found by police officers where she dropped it, and it was on the footpath of St. Clair Avenue in the vicinity of Rochford Street. Now, bloodstain evidence suggested that Jessica had dropped her mum's head in the street, picked it up again, gone further along the street, and again dropped it where it rested until recovered by police. Jessica, wearing just a nightdress with bare feet and completely covered in her mother's blood, 
went to the home of a neighbour and asked for emergency services to be called. Now, I think at the start, she goes to one neighbour on one side. He's probably saw through the people what was going on. He didn't really have much to do with it. She went to the other neighbour. Anyway, she ended up herself phoning the triple O operator, which is our emergency services in Australia, using a mobile phone, probably hers, and asked for police and ambulance to be sent. Although she then hung up, the operator called back and that call was still connected when police officers arrived. Now here's the call. Hello, this is Alison from Police Emergency. We just received a call from this number. Uh, yes, I need you to get the ambulance and the police out here immediately. To which address? Please come. I need you. This is our immediate our life or death situation. Which suburb or town is that in? St. Clair, St. Clair, okay, St. So Clair. St. Clair, and what's the nearest crossroad, please? Um, what's the nearest one? Listen, can you can you talk to the neighbour? I'm busted. Can you just talk to him? All right. Could you, because my hand's bleeding, yeah. Thank you. Can you talk to... Oh, oh my finger's broken. I can't... It's all right. Okay, talk to him. Hello? Hi. Yeah. What's happened? I don't know. We was just at uh, um, home, but uh, she just uh, uh, came in screaming for help, and when suddenly I opened the door, she said, uh, just help me and call the uh, police or ambulance. And uh, she said to me, uh, she had a fight with uh, her mom, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, My mum tried to stab me and I killed her, I think. So did she just say her mum tried to stab her? I don't know because of the... Yes, yes. Yeah. A knife. And I, in self-defence, I think I killed her. Yes. Can you tell them to come immediately? Yeah, can, can you please uh, just come immediately, please? Okay, so she believes that she may have killed her, her mother? Yes. Yeah, she said like this, yeah. Yes. And where, is this at... Is that where you are at the moment? So, uh, who, uh, me? Yeah, so where are you at the moment? I'm, I'm, I'm in a... Oh, okay, but she's... Yeah. Is she with you at the moment? Yeah, yeah she's um, uh, in the front yard of my house. Okay, all right. Uh, so yeah. how old is her mother? How old is your mother? My mum's dead, I think. But how old is she? 57. 57. 57. So is she not conscious? Nah. Stabbed her because she tried to kill me. Okay, and you didn't check if she was breathing. No, we can't go there. There's a kid in there. Could you come with me, please? No, I can't go. Sorry about that. Okay. There's a kid, a, a four-year-old kid, yeah, no. going in the house. And is her mother severely bleeding? No, because um, we, we didn't go to the, the, her house because I'm in, uh, outside of my house because I can't go there. Okay. Yeah. Please. Okay. So, do you know what the lady's name is? My fingers are broken. My yeah, fingers uh, are broken. Her mother has uh, just uh, uh, his name. Uh, her name. Jessica Tunnelary. Is that your name? Is that the lady's name who called? Yes. Yes. Can I talk to her? Um, lady, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Your name's my Jessica. Fingers, my my fingers are broken. Okay. Uh, Mum has ha- had enough of me because I admit I've been a challenge, and this this ongoing thing's been going for months. And months anyway. Um, she she had enough of me. She grabbed me by the hair and dragged me from my room all the way to the kitchen. And she got a knife and she tried to stab me with it. And I grabbed the knife off her because I thought she was going to stab me. So I stabbed her back. And I was so heated up with anger. I just kept stabbing and stabbing and stabbing her. And I I, I took off her head. Her head is... um. I ran to my neighbour, not this neighbour, uh, my other neighbour before this one who's on the other side. He was at work. 
Uh, I told him to call the ambulance and the police immediately. He's going to do so, but no one's at home because everyone in the family is at work now. So he wasn't much help. He said, all I can do is I'll call the police and the ambulance to my address. And I thought it was going to take a bit of time, so I ran to my other neighbour on the other side. Um, And I had my mum's head in my hand. I know this sounds insane, but I was taking it for evidence to show the neighbour. In the struggle, in the frustration, I didn't know what I was doing. I cut her head off. I chopped her head off with a knife. Okay, what type of knife was it? Um, th- there was all sorts of knives. There was about um, seven knives uh, Seven knives I was stabbing her with. A few of the knives broke. When that knife broke, I got another one and did the same. Where's the knives now? They're all in the kitchen. Every- there's blood everywhere. There's blood everywhere. Yeah. And you're outside the house? Yes, yes. yes. Um, the ambulance and the police have rocked up. Do you want to stay on the phone? No, that's okay. What's your phone number, Jessica? Um, look... My, you're better off, this is my mum's phone number, but my mum's not here anymore, okay? She's gone. Okay, what's your date of birth? Um, October 12, 1993. Over here, over here. All right, I'll let you go speak to the police. Yeah, yeah hang right. up, okay? Okay, uh, bye. Then, well, I can't, I'm full of blood. Okay, I think that's been one of the most disturbing retellings of a crime that I've ever done. There's been some pretty bad ones there, but that's absolutely shocking. Anyway, police get to the scene. They saw Jessica in her blood-covered nighty and directed her to stay where she was. While more police arrived, Jessica gave her account of what happened, saying that her mum had been the aggressor and had tried to kill her with a knife. Mum grabbed me by the hair, dragged me from my room all the way to the kitchen. She got a knife out of the cupboard and tried to stab me with it because I think she's had enough. She was pulling me by the hair. She's ripped out all my hair. There's hair everywhere. And she stabbed me and she broke my finger. Now, this sort of ties in with the story or the narrative she's tried to build during the phone call with emergency services. So, as you can imagine, Jessica was arrested and ultimately she would be charged with the murder of her mum. Now, Jessica was committed for trial on the 27th of March 2020 on the charge of murder. Now, she didn't give a plea to this charge. Rather, she pled guilty to manslaughter. Now, because she'd made a plea for a lesser charge and this was rejected, there was a full trial. Okay, so now we know Jessica has some mental issues and as you can imagine, these were brought up in the trial. And two doctors, they gave evidence after interviews with her, a Dr. First and a Professor Greenberg. Both doctors were of the view that Jessica has a number of disorders, including autism and a mild level of intellectual disability, and OCD, or features of it. Now, Professor Greenberg also diagnosed intermittent explosive disorder, or IED. Dr. First accepted that Jessica on occasion acted from an uncontrollable rage, but regarded that as a feature of her other disorders rather than a distinct condition. Professor Greenberg concluded that as well as an intellectual disability disorder, an autism spectrum disorder and an IED, Jessica had traits of personality problems with narcissistic features, features of OCD, depression, anxiety and ADHD. He told the jury that Jessica is prone to explosive outbursts where there's a failure to control impulsive aggression behaviour in response to subjectively experienced provocation which would not typically result in an aggressive outburst. Means she gets angry really quick for no real reason. 
Also, even though Jessica had no criminal convictions before killing her mother, witnesses came forward to tell of Jessica's violent outbursts. Jessica's sister told the court that she was physically violent to others and the police were involved on occasion. She was aware of an incident in which Jessica had attacked their aunt, grabbing her by the hair and pulling her down a set of concrete steps. Another incident involved an assault on her former mother-in-law where Jessica approached the lady from behind and pulled her hair violently. She had to be physically pulled away by Rita who prevented the assault from going further. In September 2012, she assaulted a lady with a baby by grabbing hold of the woman's hair and pulling it. In December 2012, a woman at a supermarket checkout counter was assaulted when Jessica, without provocation, walked up to her and pulled her hair. In June 2013, Jessica had an argument with a student in her Nova employment class. This was the one we talked about before. When another student sought to calm the situation, Jessica lunged at her, grabbed her hair and pulled it. In July 2013, Jessica pulled the hair of a woman whilst in the waiting room of a doctor's practice. Jessica told police that the female had been staring at her and she just saw red In September 2013, Jessica attended Westmead Emergency Hospital Department after suffering a panic attack. Now, in the waiting room, Jessica approached a woman who she thought was staring at her and grabbed the woman by the hair. In March 2016, Jessica called out to a woman getting off a bus near her St. Clair house, asking for help. When the woman approached, Jessica grabbed the woman's hair and dragged her to the ground. As I told you before about Jessica's random phone calling, she started a campaign of harassment against Natalie Naylor, who received over 20 phone calls and 22 messages from her in October 2015. Miss Naylor reported that the messages included a number of threats to kill her and her husband. Now, these included, I will come over to your door with a knife in my hand and slit your throat. Also, I will come over to your house with a knife in my hand and I will shred off your head to your neck and I will shred off your head to your neck and you will have no head left. Also, I will fucking ram that knife right through your neck and cut off your whole head. Jesus Christ. Now, there was a second victim of this sort of behaviour. That was a Matthew Layfield who was the unwilling recipient of as many as 100 telephone calls per day in the 12 months before April 25th, 2019. Now, having begun a telephone call with Mr. Layfield, Jessica managed to match a phone number with his business and began to call numbers associated with it, including Mr. Layfield on his work number and a number of his colleagues and family members. Although Jessica typically commenced the calls with an apology for her frequency, she quickly became aggressive and said things to those that she called, such as, I will stab you and cut your head off with a knife. Now, Mr. Layfield, his business colleagues and his family endured about 12 months of these seriously harassing phone calls, including a call placed to Mr. Layfield's wife in which Jessica told her that she would cut her head off and flush it down the toilet. Now, these hundreds and hundreds of calls were made despite Rita Camilleri's constant attempts to stop her daughter from placing them. Jesus Christ, you can just imagine the stress Rita was going through trying to control her daughter. Little did Rita know that these threats would be carried out on herself. 
Jessica was found guilty of a mother's manslaughter after a short trial commencing on the 30th of November 2020 and ending on December the 10th, when the jury returned a verdict of not guilty to murder, but guilty of manslaughter. The basis for the jury's verdict was an acceptance that, at the time of her mother's killing, Jessica was substantially impaired by an abnormality of the mind, leaving her to diminished capacity to control herself, and that her impairment was so substantial as to warrant her liability for murder being reduced to manslaughter. Now, there's no question she understood the nature of her acts when she was stabbing her mother and also understood that it was very wrong and criminal. That was clearly demonstrated by her attempts to falsely claim afterwards that she'd acted in self-defence. Jessica was sentenced to a term of imprisonment for 21 years and 7 months, commencing on the 20th of July 2019 and expiring on the 19th of February 2041. The non-parole period of 16 years and 2 months, that will expire on September 2035. Now, this isn't all the issues that Jessica has. Not only outside and before she got to prison, once she's in prison, she's acting up as well. In April 2021, Jessica was charged with assaulting a fellow inmate at Silverwater Correctional Facility. Now, Jessica reckons it's hell behind bars that other inmates are bullying her and had been told to watch her back and they were making fun of her. She said, I'm looking at a long time in jail. I don't understand. This is a waste of time. They don't like me and people outside want me to face more time. I always get targeted too because of my crime. She said, corrections removed me from that wing where the fight occurred and they put me in an induction wing. I don't know what they're doing now, but there's some behavioural wing. They want to keep me there for a month before moving me to the women's prison. They singled me out in prison because of the nature of my crime. No matter what I do, no matter where I go, other prisoners will make my life a living hell. So this is what went down in the rec room after Jessica asked one of her fellow inmates about more food. She said, I'm still hungry. Who should I ask for more food? Now she got the reply, I don't know who to ask. Haven't you had enough food already? Jessica walked behind this other prisoner, grabbed her by the hair and vaulted her while she was sitting. Jessica felt she was being made fun of because of her eating disorder. Now, she would be convicted of common assault, but with no further punishment. Now, when this sentence was handed down, just for this episode, Jessica asked whether it would impact her pending appeal for manslaughter. Now, she was saying, I've been targeted because what other girls have made me out to be. My time will be a lot easier if prisoners didn't make my life a living hell. It's not like the outside world. It's hard in here. You'd think that, wouldn't you? She's in jail. The judge told her, you're lucky. Sometimes, and I hate to say it in this courtroom, but other prisoners have been murdered by other prisoners in jail. That's how it is in jail. Correctional officers are not like police. They can't protect you. Now, (laughs) that's pretty much straight to the point, isn't it? But this is just one of many incidents she's been involved with while in custody. She assaults fellow inmates, she destroys property, and she just disobeys disobeys directions. Now, this has been a difficult one for me to get my head around as how much rage I should have. Now, Rita, 
was a victim of the boundless love for her daughter. Throughout the years, since Jessica was young, Rita protected her daughter, trying to do the absolute best for her and tried so hard to keep her from being institutionalised. It's pretty clear that Rita was doing it hard. She was really doing it hard over the years, dealing with Jessica's violent outbursts. Rita's marriage broke up over Jessica's behaviour. Now, I can only assume because her husband probably wanted her committed, but Rita didn't want her put away. I don't know for sure, but it must have been part of it. But it was this endless love for her daughter that ultimately got her killed. Killed in a way that she'd threatened others previously, stabbing and cutting off the head. Should police and the courts sort of taken more notice of these threats beforehand? Was her medication working or incorrectly prescribed? Was she even taking it? Or had she been taking it but would then stop and this caused her outburst from the come down? It looks like when Rita tried to stand up to Jessica any time, she would ultimately back down once Jessica started to get aggressive. So trying to get her to stop watching horror movies and taking her medicine was just a fruitless endeavour. Now how this young kid that was also attacked on the night, how he must be getting on, four years old, and I hope he gets all the support he needs. I think it's obvious and probably very obvious to anyone who knew Jessica that she shouldn't have been on the streets. She should have been safely taken care of in some sort of institution. She wasn't only abusive to her family, but also to the general public and random strangers. It does remind me a little bit of the episode about Vince Lee when he attacked and killed Tim McLean on the Greyhound bus. I was very harsh on the Canadian authorities at the time for letting Lee out early into society because he had a mental disorder and was now taking his meds, so they let him out. My concerns were that he was released and wasn't being monitored and that he'd shown what he could do if he stopped taking his meds. But luckily, so far, Lee looks like he's done the wrong, <laughs> the right thing, and we haven't heard from him since. Now, Jessica has shown herself to be violent inside and outside of jail, and she's got a very long sentence because of it. I think there's still going to be an appeal coming. Now, if she eventually does get out of jail, I'm sure she will be monitored closely. You can send all your hugs and prayers to the Camilleri family and friends. It will take who knows how long for them to get over the loss of Rita. I can't begin to imagine what they've been through. So that's it for this shocking, most shocking of episodes. So gruesome. Okay, I'd like to thank my patrons past and present for keeping the lights on. Thanks so much to Tom Sheridan for upping your pledge and to Nicole Valiant. If you'd like to throw a dollar my way, please check out patreon.com forward slash true crime island. Or if you just want to shout me a beer, you can donate to paypal.me forward slash true crime island. A free beer is always nice after dumpster diving into these cases, just like Loretta McKinney and Sarah Sazama did this week. Boom fucker lunga. But can I just ask you to take time to share the podcast with your friends or even in groups on Facebook, whatever. The Island is one of the few, very few independent true crime podcasts out there and commercial free. Best of all, it's free of charge to help The Island out. 
Go to my website, truecrimeisland.com, where you can stream every episode if you don't want to use iTunes or a pod player. I have links to merch, social media there as well. Also, you can email me if you want to get in touch, as some people have, and I'm looking at some of these cases. So, as I mentioned before, the episode that was supposed to be this week will come out sometime in the future. As soon as this that next trial is finished, I'm getting hold of it. Now, I might be able to get hold of some of the people also who are involved with it and see what they've got to say. Well, that's about it. I've been your host, Cambo. You've been listening to True Crime Island. And as I always say, don't forget to delete your browser history. Good night. Fuck a lunga. Fuck a lunga.